Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message in our current series called How to Pray. Let's take a listen. We've been talking a lot about surrender and the first half of this prayer has been about us surrendering. But what we're gonna look at today is the difference of surrender and dependence. And maybe not the difference, but what one drives the other one to do. And so this morning, when we looked at surrender the last few weeks, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think surrender, and maybe it's your hands up. Somebody's not willing to say that one, are you? That's me, that's what I think about. But when we surrender, we're yielding up control. We're we're surrendering the control in our lives to him. That's what we've been talking about the last week. And that's what led us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's saying that God, I don't care what I want to happen, but God, I'm going to trust you even when things don't turn out the way that I want them to turn out. And so we know that surrender is one step in and of itself. But what we learn is the more that we look at surrender, the more surrender drives us to dependence. Surrender drives us to dependence and dependence is simply relying on something. And so the more we surrender, the more dependent we become. And so today's part of the prayer that we're gonna look at in the Lord's prayer is focused on that topic of being dependent upon him as our father. So I want you to go to Matthew chapter six. It's where we've been the last several weeks. And this is where Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. And so we're gonna read all the way where we've been so far, but we're gonna stop at verse 12. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to read along with me. And if you don't, it's on the screen. But let's look at Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 12. He says then, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. God, I thank you for your word and I pray that right now, God, that we would surrender to its authority. We would surrender to your authority and God, let that surrender lead us to dependence. And so God, I pray that right now that you would move, God, as your word is being read. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name, amen. You notice here, he says, give us this day our daily bread. This is simply a request from a child to the father. Same as if you're a father here and your children request something of you, that is the the, the dependency we see between the father and child relationship. And so when we look at that, this is the language that the Jewish people were very familiar with because they knew the history of their nation. So when they would hear that they were dependent upon the daily bread, 
This is something they're very accustomed to, something they're very familiar with. Because if you remember when the children of Israel were set free from Pharaoh's bondage, it says that they were sent out and they ended up in the wilderness and they left with nothing. They had no food, they had no drink. But what we know is in those scriptures, we see that every single day that God provided what they needed that day. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 16, just so we can look at that right quick. Exodus chapter 16, it'll be on the screen, but we're gonna just read verses four, just verse four here. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather, there it is, a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. So we see there that this day's portion was very similar to the way Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. They were in the wilderness and God told Moses that I will rain down your daily portion. And what we read is all through those passages that we see that that was all they could collect was one day's portion. Because you see, the reason that God wants us to see that, the reason that God wanted his children to experience that is so that it would always push them to dependence upon him. Because there's a lot of times when we don't have, we have no other choice but to depend on the Father. And what he's wanting them to do is just simply become confident in him as the provider. Because we all know how we're wired we're not much different than they were because the reason that he kept this from a day-to-day -day basis because what happens a lot of times is we saw what happened when they would try to, to corral enough of the stuff to, to put it in the, the cupboards, to put it in places where it would be there so that they wouldn't have to worry about tomorrow because remember, they've prepared for it. But you see, the way that we're wired who do we very quickly become confident in? Ourselves. And so a lot of times as we save up, as we put up, now look, I'm not telling you, well, Brian, you just told me to spend every dollar I got today because God gonna provide more tomorrow. That's not what we're saying. But what you have to understand, you are not your provider. You may think, well, Brian, I'll go out and make a hard, I, I work hard at my job. Praise God, you're supposed to. I'm good at my job, Brian. That's why I make the money that I make. Yeah, praise God. But guess who gave you the ability to work? Guess who gave you the job you have? Guess who gave you the skill set you have that you get to exercise? Your Father in heaven. So when we thank him, We've got to thank him for being our daily provider because God does not want us to become self-reliant upon ourselves. because when we rely on ourselves, we become arrogant. And when we can rely on ourselves, we don't have to depend on God. So we begin to trust ourselves more than the one who provides. And so I don't know what you're walking through and maybe you're in a season right now where you can say, Brian, I don't have anything. Yeah, you do. You have a father in heaven who is your provider. Depend on him. You trust him. You pray and ask God to give you your daily bread. God will provide. 
And so we have to be reliant on him to provide. And, and I wrestled with even to share this story if the timing was right, but if I don't brag on God, then I'm not given the glory that God deserves. And so I'm gonna share just a quick story with you about how God is a provider. I'm not gonna use names, but this is something that God allowed us to see take place this week. As many of you know that several weeks back, we, we kind of laid it out on the table that there was an opportunity for you to go to the other side of town and, and pick up some children who want to come to church. They wanna be here. And so we opened the door and we asked for you to, to gather around us and to lock arms with us and let's provide a way for these children to come to God's house. And thank God he answered those prayers and some people have stepped up to the plate and are taking these kids back and forth. And I got a phone call Wednesday night about 9.15. And it was a young man who had just dropped these children off. And he said, Brian, I just gotta tell you something. I said, what? And he said, I have fell in love with these kids. And he said, but Brian, what can we do to provide this family a vehicle. They've only got one vehicle and dad is working a lot. So the vehicle's never there. So when dad's not home, the vehicle's not there. So they are stranded with nowhere to go and no way to get there. And so, you know, as a leader, we gotta become very strategic. Well, here's the plan. I'll, I'll get you in front of some small groups. I'll get you in front of some right people and you share your vision with them. You share your heart with them and people are gonna give into that and we'll get the money to buy a car. And man, right before we hung up the phone, it was like the Holy Spirit said, really? So you think y'all can do that? And so I told the young man, I said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray and ask God to provide. What is our role? God may reveal that. But God, we are asking you to provide. That was on Wednesday night. Thursday morning, I was at a meeting in a church on the other side of town and I'd remembered a phone call that I had gotten on Tuesday, a voicemail that was left and I had forgotten to call back. And so I told Siri to remind me and she did a great job. I'm on 985 and I get my notification and it says, please call him back. And I said, okay, praise the Lord. So I picked him up and I called this gentleman back. And I said, man, I'm so sorry I didn't call you back on Tuesday. I slipped my mind. He goes, no problem at all. I just got one question to ask you and I want to keep you just a second. I said, okay. He says, me and my family are getting ready to purchase a new car. And he said, so I have a car that we need to get rid of. He said, do you know anybody in the church that needs a car? I said, is this a joke? And I said, sir, can I tell you a conversation that just happened 14 hours ago? And so I immediately called the young man I said, you, I said, you sitting down? He said, yeah, I'm driving. I said, well, you need to pull over. And as I began to tell him how God provided, 
Then he began to laugh. I don't know if it was laughter. I don't know if it was crying. I don't know what it was. But then we just sat. I was standing in front of Big Burrito, laughing with him. But here's where we see dependence step in. This young man told me, he said, Brian, last night I was getting ready to go to bed and I got in the shower and I began to pray that God would provide. And he said, but I know how I'm wired. And he said, and if I was the one going to small groups, if I was the one asking for money and I was the one that was able to purchase this car, he said, I know me well enough to know I would take the credit. And so he said, the last thing I prayed was God, you provide in such a way that there is absolutely no way I can get credit. And guess what? God provided. Give us this day our daily bread or forgive us or give us this car, our daily car. I don't, I don't know what we need to pray moving forward. But all I know is we serve a God who provides. We serve a God who provides. So while we love to celebrate him being the provider, this next verse that we're about to unpack, part of it will let you celebrate, but I'll be honest, be honest and tell you the second part is one that has to be wrestled with. Look at verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You see, when we ask God to forgive us of our debt, we're asking God to forgive us of our sin. We're asking God to forgive us of anything that doesn't align with his word. Anything that we walk in disobedience, we are asking and begging God to intercede and to forgive us of our wrongdoings. This is what we're asking him to do. But that word forgive is something that I want us to pay a little bit closer attention to because when we look at the word forgive in the English language, it just doesn't carry the weight of what it means in the Greek and what it means all down in the nuts and bolts of how this word was put together. So when we look at the original language of where this word, how we tried to translate it in English, but just to be honest, it doesn't carry the weight of what the original language says. So this word forgive in the original language would be said, afiame, afiame. And what we know is that is one big word that is made up of two little bitty root words. And those two root words, one of those is apo, which means to imply separation. Means to be separated, to pull apart. But then when we look at the second half or the second root word, it is hiamai, which means to put it into motion. So when we put that word together and we come up with afiame, we know that what that literally means is to detach the sin from the sinner, meaning put separation into action. And so as a follower of Christ, when we ask God to forgive us, we are asking God to separate us from our sin. We're asking God to detach us from the very thing that anchors us, that weights us down. And we are asking God to detach us 
from the sin which so easily entangles us. We're asking him to put this separation into action. In Psalms 103, we read about that, that the sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. That's a long way. That is a lot of separation. And when God forgives us, that's the extent that he forgives us of our sin is total separation. That that sin has been detached from the very one that was accused of it. But again, this concept was very familiar to the Jewish people. I want you to flip, 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 flip to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 16. Now keep in mind as we get ready to read this, this is the people being bound by the Old Testament law. They were bound to the old covenant. And what that meant was is that the high priest would have to offer the sacrifice to take away the sins of the people. They would have to offer a spotless lamb. But what we're gonna see is something else, that we're talking about forgiveness in this separation. So look at, at, at Leviticus chapter 16. Look at verse 21. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of a live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all of their transgressions in regard to all of their sin. And he shall lay them, talking about the sins, he shall lay them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who stands in readiness. Verse 22, the goat shall bear on itself all of their iniquities to the solitary land and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. So get this picture, this image here of this goat was being presented and then the high priest would take their hands and they would lay it on the head of this goat as a symbol of placing all of the sin on the head of this goat, praying, saying, take it, here it is. And that goat then would become the carrier of all of the transgressions, all of the sins of the children of Israel. And it was placed on this innocent animal. But then what they would do is they would release the animal into the wilderness. And the reason that they would release it into the wilderness is so that it would never be seen again. See, the picture that was being painted here was the foreshadowing of the coming of Christ. Because you understand that Jesus was then going to become that sacrifice that the wrath of his father was gonna place his hands on his son, taking your sins and my sins and placing it on the head of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to where he died and he paid the punishment that was yours and that was mine. But guess what? In that punishment, in that death, burial, and the resurrection, it was cast away as far as the east is from the west to never be mentioned again. I don't think you get it. This is what forgiveness means. That the wrath of God was placed on the spotless lamb. 
and it was carried away to the cross to never be seen of or heard of again. That's what it means to forgive. And this is actually where we get our term scapegoat. How many of you have been a scapegoat before? We've all taken blame for something that we didn't do. We've all carried blame for something that we didn't do. You see, that's what this poor little goat did and that's what our savior did. He carried the blame for something that he did not do. But you see, church, this is where that prayer of dependence comes from. That death, that responsibility that Jesus took on, that is us surrendering and acknowledging that we don't have the ability to be self-righteous enough to take away our own sin. If you remember a few weeks back, we had two gallons of milk. One was good, one was bad. And the picture that we tried to paint is it does not matter how much good milk I pour into a gallon of bad milk, there's not enough good milk that can make the bad milk good. And some of you are carrying the weight of that this morning, even in this place. You think you've got to live up to this expectation to make God love you. You think you've got to stop doing this or you've got to stop doing that in order to earn the love of God. That is not what salvation is about. Salvation is you trusting in that the sacrifice has already been made for the places you fall short. That is what salvation is about. The only way that we are forgiven is when we are cleansed by the blood of the lamb. And guess what? That has nothing to do with how good you are. That has nothing to do with what you've figured out. It's about what he did for you. But forgiveness, when we understand this, that's what drives us to worship him because we realize that he carried all of the weight of our sin. He carried it all for us so that we didn't have to. So yes, we can easily celebrate the forgiveness. We can easily celebrate that he is our provider for daily bread. But what we're gonna read next is probably one of the most revealing and convicting things that I have ever seen in the word of God. Look at verse 12 in Matthew chapter six. Go back to the Lord's prayer where we've been. Matthew chapter six, verse 12. And he says, and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What the Holy Spirit revealed to me is the most convicting word in that verse is the smallest word in that verse. And it's the word as. So I want you to circle, I want you to underline, I want you to highlight the word as, because when you look at the definition in again, the original language of the translation, what as would mean would be as in comparison. 
So what Jesus is encouraging us to do is compare the way that we're asking forgiveness and compare it to the way that we forgive people. And so when we see this, you can look at the word as, and you can look at all the other phrases that you could replace with it carrying the same weight. And here's some of those phrases and some of those words that you could very easily put into place for the word as. And some of your Bible may even say some of these words, but the word as could be changed out with the phrase same manner. It could be changed out with the word how. It could be changed out with the word when. It could be changed out with as soon as. Or it could be changed out with after. Now, I don't know that you can put all that together. If you're like me, I have to see it simplified. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna play fill in the blank. We're gonna fill in the blank with all of these words that could replace the word as. Forgive us our debt in the same manner we forgive others. Forgive us of our debt how we forgive others. Forgive us our debt, you ready? When we forgive others. Forgive us our debt <laughs> as soon as I forgive others. Forgive us of our debt after we forgive others. I don't know about you, but when I begin to unpack that with every phrase, I felt I got lower and lower and lower and lower because I saw the areas in my life where I'm not forgiven. And what if, what if we had the ability to set the standard for God's forgiveness? That's a very sobering thought. What if we prayed, God, you deal with me the way that I deal with them. God, you deal with me the way that I deal with those people I don't like. God, you deal with me the way that I deal with those people that reject me. God, you deal with me the way that I deal with people who have wronged me. But then interesting enough, I want you to keep looking right below the Lord's Prayer in verse 14. And this is two verses that we've really gotta be careful with because on the surface, it may look like it's something that it's not. But in verse 14, Jesus says this, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, but if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. And so where we have to be careful with that passage, because on the surface, it appears that God can remove his forgiveness from your life. 
that God can remove that salvation of forgiveness because we know that salvation comes through the forgiveness of our sins. But what we have to keep in mind in here is who was it that asked him how to pray? It was the disciples. It was the followers. It was ones that had relationships with him. So I want us to look at another conversation that Jesus had with the disciples. Flip over to the gospel of John. And this is gonna help us better understand the context of which Jesus is talking about in verses 14 and 15. John chapter 13, verse 10. He's carrying on a conversation with the disciples and he specifically is answering Peter in verse 10. In verse 10, it says here that Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew that one was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. You see, the, the word that we see over and over there is the word clean. And we see it three or four different times. And he says that if your body is clean, what did he say in the very first part of that verse? He said there in verse 10, he says, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet. If we bathed, we're cleansed, right? We're clean. And so remember, he's talking to the followers of Christ here. And so what we understand is that when he's talking about being bathed, when he's talking about being clean, this is your salvation. This is at the moment of salvation when your sin was cast as far as the east is from the west. And as you notice in the end, he tells them, but there's one of you who is not clean. And he was talking about Judas because Judas was not a follower. Judas was a deceiver. So Judas was not clean. And he said, but for the rest of you, you are clean. So the only thing that you have to daily cleanse is your feet. And so what we have to see is the picture of carrying the weight of unforgiveness that we do daily. Because all of us have to understand, you do know that when you were saved by God's grace, that you didn't step from imperfection to being a perfect person, right? We all still fall short. We all still fall flat on our face. We've all been cleansed for our salvation. However, in our daily journey with Christ, we're continuing to get dirty because we continue to make mistakes. And so this is what Jesus is symbolizing by washing their feet. He's saying, look, you're cleansed, but I know you daily get dirty. And so I'm here to clean your feet because I want us in harmony. I want that to be the cleanliness that you yearn for. Because you see, in the moment of our salvation, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And that new spirit contradicts the spirit of this world. That new spirit living in us lets us know when we get daily dirty. But thank God for the daily washing of our feet. That because of the blood of the cross, we were made clean but we have to fall at his feet daily and ask God to continue to purify us and to make us more like him. And so when we think about the body being cleansed, the, the washing of the feet, what we have to know is that unconfessed sin hinders our fellowship with our father. 
unconfessed sin hinders our fellowship with the Father. It's just like an earthly relationship. There's people that you are blood related to. And no matter how much you pray that you're not related to them, you're related to them. So get over it. Make the best of it. But you see, you're always related because of the blood that flows through your veins. But it doesn't always mean that you're in harmony with the very people that you're related to. This is the same picture that we see here. As a follower of Christ, you're always gonna be part of God's family. You're always gonna be bought by the blood of the cross and nothing is changing that. But if there's unconfessed sin, if there's unforgiveness that you're carrying, things that you're dealing with, then it's bringing the wedge between the harmony that was meant for you to have with your heavenly father. And that is the picture that Jesus is painting of the washing of the feet of his disciples. See, sin hinders the fellowship, but it doesn't forfeit the relationship. Sin hinders the fellowship, but it doesn't forfeit the relationship. And church, that is something that we need to be thankful for. We need to be thankful that sin will never forfeit your relationship with the Father if you have trusted him as your Savior. But you know, all of us, we fail to forgive. We fail to forgive others. We're guilty of this sin of unforgiveness And in Isaiah 59, we read, we read about that. We read what happens when we carry unconfessed sin. Isaiah chapter 59, you don't have to turn there, it'll be on the screen and I'll just do it for sake of time. But in verses one and two of Isaiah 59, it says, behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Did you hear that? It's made a separation between you and your God. The possession hasn't changed. He's still your God. He's still your father. However, there is a wedge there now because of unconfessed sin. But it says, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So there's a lot of us in this room today that maybe you're carrying the weight of unforgiveness. Maybe today you need to deal with that. Maybe today you need to forgive and what forgives means is to detach someone for their wrongdoing. Aren't you thankful that God detached you from your wrongdoing? So if we're following Christ and we are living out him here on earth, then we're to carry that same responsibility. I don't care how someone has done you wrong. When we realize that the very thing that Christ did for us was detach us 
from that sin, then we too should detach others of their wrongdoing. But you know, kind of the part that's hard to wrestle with there is we gotta be careful because I don't wanna mislead you and think that for you to leave here thinking, well, if I go and offer forgiveness to someone that our relationship will be put back in perfect harmony, that our relationship will be restored because that's not the case. Just like salvation, Jesus Christ died so that all could come to repentance. Jesus Christ died to offer forgiveness to all. But you do realize there's gonna be people who don't receive that forgiveness. There's gonna be people that don't surrender to that forgiveness. And because they're not surrendering to that forgiveness, when it's offered, there will never be harmony between them and their heavenly father because they don't have a heavenly father because he then becomes a God of wrath. So the gift is offered, but it's not received by all. So there's gonna be times that you offer forgiveness and it will not be received. So while that earthly relationship may not be restored the way that you want it to be restored, here's what you celebrate. You've now confessed this sin of unforgiveness. You have now dealt with it. You have now offered this forgiveness to someone. So while that earthly relationship still may not be in harmony, you as a follower of Jesus Christ have just had your feet washed and now you're in perfect harmony with the Father. This is why we forgive. Don't get it twisted. Yes, we want everybody to be loving each other. We want that. But ultimately we deal with the sin of unforgiveness so that we will be walking in perfect harmony with our Father. That's what forgiveness is all about. That's what it means to have our feet washed is that I wanna be made clean so that I can hear the voice of God, so that I can see what God's doing because it's just a wedge. You know, so many times I deal with people and I talk with people, deal with people. That sounded really harsh, didn't it? <laughs> I have the opportunity to talk with people. I have the opportunity to minister to people. That sounds a lot more spiritual, doesn't it? Yeah. But oftentimes they say, well, Brian, I just can't hear from God. I'm just not seeing God. I'm not, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. What happens so many times is the more we dig, what we realize and find out is that somewhere along the way, there's unforgiveness that has not been resolved. And that's Isaiah chapter 59 that we just read a moment ago. But I know if you're anything like me, you're sitting here this morning and you're replaying all of the wrongs that someone has done to you in your life. And in your mind, you're going, Brian, I can't forgive that person. You have no idea what they did to me. I can't forgive them. I can't do this. I don't care if I ever see them again. 
I can't do that. Let me encourage you with this. I can't is right where you need to be. God respects that I can't. Because in the moment of you saying, I can't, you're surrendering that you don't have the power to do something. And what this does is it automatically, supernaturally forces you to step into dependence on the only one who can. So if you're sitting here this morning and you go, Brian, I can't forgive that person. Celebrate it that you're at the place you can finally say you can't. Because for years, you've been trying to to work it up. You've been trying to process it. You've been trying to make sense of it all. Stop trying and just say you can't. And watch the provider do what he does. Watch this surrender lead you to dependence. Watch the surrender lead you to dependence. You remember what Jesus prayed in the garden that we talked about last week? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Your flesh can't forgive. Your flesh is not capable of forgiving. But oh, let me remind you, There is a resurrection spirit living in you and that's what he is made to do. He is made to forgive. And the reason I know that is because he forgave me. And if he can forgive me, I know that same spirit that forgave me wants to forgive those that have wronged me. And so when we say I can't, Let's trust the resurrection spirit living in us to do it for us. To do it for us. You know, there's so many right now in this room that are bound by the sin of unforgiveness. There's so many in this room that are harboring feelings of bitterness of hatred, of anger. Can I tell you, you're not robbing that person of anything. You're robbing yourself of harmony with your father. You're robbing yourself of walking in fellowship with the one who sent his son to die for you. He wants to walk hand in hand with you. He wants you to hear him loud and clear. He wants you to be in perfect fellowship. But because you're walking with such hatred in your heart, because you're walking with such bitterness in your heart, there's a wedge between you and the father. And some of you need today to need to bury that. You need to let go of that because you're never going to experience the full freedom in Christ until you learn the freedom of forgiveness. And the only way that we're gonna learn to forgive is simply be reminded of how he forgave us. 
Because you realize that he had nails drove in his hands and his feet. I guarantee you none of you have ever had nails drove into your hands and your feet unless you're terrible at running a hammer. Guaranteed, none of you have had a crown of thorns placed on your head and pushed down till it punctured into your skull. You say, well, Brian, what does that have to do with me? Because you're the one who did it to him. I am the one who did it to him. And guess what? He loves us enough. He forgave us anyway. That sin in your life, that sin in my life is what drove the very nails in his hands. And it is what pierced his crown with the thorns that punctured his skull. Has anybody ever spit in your face? They have mine. (laughs) I chased them all around a soccer field. I was gonna forgive them after I beat the daylights out of them. But you see, all of those are the very things that we've all realized we're guilty of. But Christ forgave us. What has someone done to you that you need to release them of today? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.